Hello and welcome to the Mullet Over Podcast. But I'm pumped. And it's back. Yes. By popular demand. No, I'm definitely wanting to change that. I want a professional intro. I know I know you keep saying that, but like <laughs> I, there's a reason I, nobody I'm else is enforcing it for you, huh? That no one else is asking for. Yeah, you're definitely reinforcing <laughs> it for me. I definitely enjoy that. So today we have a special guest. You want to go ahead and introduce her? Yeah. Susan Price. I got to be on her show yesterday. And I met her at um, a gathering of doctors that I was asked to speak at, and I was asked to speak about healing. And it was people. So you were a doctor. They, I they, am a doctor. Yeah. So doctor. they they asked yeah. you. So Doctor Richard Mole was Richard asked to Mull. come speak with a bunch of doctors. That's yeah. Right. And I have a lot of patients. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. But um, the yeah, <laughs> he loves my jokes. Oh Lord, help us. <laughs> The um, and and so um, and and her story immediately gripped me because of what we minister to all the time. I have ministered to people out of special forces, every different special forces um, group, and and we, we don't advertise that we do that. God has just brought them our way, and some tragic stuff comes out anytime we've been ministering to them, and it's pretty stuff that's pretty even sounds far-fetched hard to believe except that we deal with that kind of stuff all the time we deal with a lot of trauma and um issues like satanic ritual abuse and human trafficking and stuff like that and when susan told her story about her own son um i i was like i want to connect with this woman i want to hear more and she shared some then she shared some yesterday at the end of our broadcast we talked for a little while and I really felt like it would be great to have her on our show. She is a gold star mother who has been in a fight um, for getting information out there, the truth out there. Um, before Benghazi, there was a situation that her son lost his life in, in our military that was very similar. I think in some ways, because I watched the story last night, it was as bad or worse than even Benghazi. Um, and it was, um, yeah, just a, uh, unbelievable story. It's been featured on 60 minutes and, um, several other news channels, the story, um, of her son's, um, yeah, he, he was, he was, I don't want, I don't want to say all that cause I don't want to take away. I want you to introduce yourself and your son. Um, but I, I watched the videos late last night, um, till my eyes were um, falling, you know, shut. And, and I was like, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to introduce the world to Susan and to the story of her son and the story that I believe I've been praying for God to reveal the stuff that's been hidden for a while. And, and, and the Lord has been telling me to reveal those kind of things. And I'm like, I don't think there's a better way than to have a firsthand, um, survivor, um, sharing, um, some of the stories. So Susan, welcome to our show. Look forward to hearing more. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, listeners. Um, yes, I am a Marine Gold Star mother and uh, I'm, a Marine, I'm a Marine Gold Star mother and a veteran myself. And uh, I served in the army. My son and my father both were Marines and my great-grandmother was also a gold star mother. Her youngest child served in the Navy and was killed on Christmas Eve 
during World War II on the SS Leopold. So what is a gold star mother? Yeah, I was, I was thinking the same thing. Well, a gold star mother or father, or gold star family, is a family member whose son or daughter, husband or wife, has been killed in war, any war. So I'm a generational gold star mother that mm. has been tragically credentialed into this club that no one goes seeking membership of. Yeah. And um, there's thousands and thousands of us, as you can imagine, through the years. And uh, my son was killed in Afghanistan. And as you mentioned, uh, before Benghazi, there was the Ganjgal ambush tied to two Living Medal of Honor recipients, Marine Dakota Meyer, who's been out there all over the place. <clears throat> Formerly was married to uh, once to Sarah Palin's daughter and had two children with her. And uh, also to Captain Will Swenson, who was an Army Ranger, uh, Army Captain. Uh, Those are the two living Medal of Honor recipients. My son received the Bronze Star, which really... (laughs) He was the first man in, and the men that he was with, they should have received... uh, higher than that. But it's not yeah. about that. This war is about the fight of good versus evil. Now, my, son, my son, Aaron, uh, had the highest um, security clearance that you could have. And and it took the first two, two and a half years of him being a Marine to receive that. He also was the personal attendee at the George W. Bush uh, RNC convention in Sarasota, Florida in 2004. So Aaron was his attendee. And then Aaron was Marine of the Year twice in the first, well, he served 12 years. So the second year and the 10th year, he received Marine of the Year. Wow. Uh, and then, out, of how many, out of how many Marines? I don't even know. I can't even tell you. A pretty massive number. That's... Yeah. And... and he just was an honorable man of God. He um, also was honor grad at jump school and worked in special forces, recon, recognizance, intelligence. He was intel. Um, so he wasn't a sniper. He was more a brainiac, more in, intuitive and t- mental, you know, working with intelligence, strategic. And he worked at uh, U.S. CENTCOM in Tampa, Florida, from August of uh, 2004 till August 1st of 2007, with the very generals running the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. So you can imagine. Firsthand uh, knowledge. Yes. The secret keeper. Yep. And uh, the first, I'll say, 18 months he worked in, in J5, which was strategic plans and policies. And then he transferred out of there and worked in J2, the second half of his term there with intelligence, the intelligence director. And you had to go through Aaron before you could get through anybody in that department. Wow. But uh, he transferred out of J5 because he found out that the general he was working for, the brigadier general under the George W. Bush administration at the time, 
was an arms dealer. I, I want you to say that again. So your son is serving a general here in at McDill Air Force Base, mm-hmm. and the reason he gets transferred out is why? He tra- he asked for a personal transfer out of J five strategic plans and policies. Now let me remind your uh, listeners. Strategic plans and policies know where all the war zones are around the entire globe. That's why it's called strategic plans and policies. They know the policies of the wars. They know the laws, the rules, everything. They know how to rewrite the narratives and they know the hot zones. So, uh, and he got transferred out of there because he transferred himself out of there because the general he worked for at that time, which he was supposed to work for this general two full years from 2004 to 2006, but this particular brigadier general took it upon himself to um, take my son's address and forward packages from other places around the globe to his apartment and then ordered my son uh, at three in the morning, when he w- days he received packages to deliver them to his home in Tampa, Florida, at the time, and my son did confide that in me. That was the only thing he ever confided in me, uh, and he asked what I should do, and I told him to pray about it, that the Lord would show him and tell him, and so he ended up breaking his lease. And then he put this guy on notice and called him unethical and said that he would have nothing to do with him whatsoever outside of U.S. CENTCOM, Central Command, Tampa, Florida, McDill Air Force Base. And uh, then he asked this gentleman, and I use that term uh, loosely, Mm. this particular Brigadier General who was tied to the war crimes over in Iraq and Mm. what went on at Abu Ghraib prison where they had the leashes and dog collars on the people over there. Mm. Uh, This guy, and that's all that I know on my own because I tied everything together. Uh, I could imagine what my son knew being this guy's enlisted aide. And he told, he ordered this gentleman, this Brigadier gentleman, General, to sign off on his transfer papers. And this guy retaliated and signed off, but he said, but first you are going to uh, fly and pick up my uniform over at U.S. AFRICOM, Af- in Africa, to pick up his uniform. And my son told him uh, that, you know, this is um, against the taxpayer dollar, abuse of taxpayer dollars. And he said, I don't care, Kenefic, you're going to do it. And so, uh, you know, my son he had to fly over there then over to Iraq, then come back to CENTCOM and hand deliver this brigadier general under the George W. Bush administration. And oh, by the way, guys, let me remind you that in 2006, when he got out of that office, he took 2007 off. But in 2008, George W. Bush appointed this particular general, and I won't say his name, but he appointed him to work in the State Department under the communist Madeleine Albright as her deputy. Wow. So what does this tell you? Yeah. Anybody who digs 
into some of the things you're talking about is going to find a rat's nest. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, one of the reasons why I'm interested in having you on the show is we minister to people that have been trafficked. We minister to, and, and God brings us people that were trafficked at a really high level. Um, and they can name, um, I, I, I'm just trying to be a little bit careful with some of my words as you are with high level political figures. Um, you know, you just keep going like this until the person guesses the right name and, um, the, um, you know, and by generals, FBI, CIA, that's the kind of stuff we deal with all the time. And it, it is not like what we are led to believe the, the, the political leaders that we have voted for and looked up to many of them have been um, proven to have been involved in a lot of dark, dark stuff. Exactly. And, and this is where I got my education because it wasn't just this Richard. What, what so you, you, before, before you find out any of this stuff from your son, you are sold out. You want your son to be there. You're proud of him. You're proud of this nation and fighting for this nation. Yeah, definitely. I'm a patriot. I yep. signed, I, I, I did the, the pledge I, to protect our constitution of the United States of America, whether I still wore that uniform 40 years later or not. Once you sign on that, and that's what veterans, we all have that alliance with each other. I'm not just a gold star mother. I'm also a veteran. I'm a so your son, your son grew up in that environment. He's operating that way, but now he's being asked to do things that are criminal at the highest level of our U.S. military. And, and by refusing, he's, he's getting retaliated against. Um, right. And yet he's voted... Um, as top Marine two times in those 12 years. So yes. keep, keep, keep going. I, okay. I just want to re- get the whole context. Exactly. And so, you know, and picture me, I'm this mother. I'm so proud of my beautiful, handsome son. He's intelligent. He's a man of God. He loves his fellow brethren. He loved you. didn't even know you or the listeners. He loved our country so much. And um, so anyhow, I was invited with him to his honor ceremony at Bush Gardens. They have a big reception room. They had Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine, all the people that were awarded the special award. And on the way in, and he had his dress blues on, he said, Mama, they're going to come up to you and tell you that they signed off for my officer candidate school. And... Um, they're going to ask you to prompt me into going to school. And I don't want to, mom, just, you don't need to know my reasons why, just know I'm not doing it. I'm a mentor. I'm going to, you know, work my way up that way, the honorable way. And that's all I needed to know. And I will tell you that three of the top dogs there, and I couldn't believe it. Well, my son had the highest security clearance. So does that mean that if he went in and became an officer, that they would misuse and abuse his security clearance? I didn't know then what I know now. And I will answer that. Yes, they would have. And that's why my son called this this one particular general unethical. 
and uh, that he wouldn't take place with anything going on outside of his command and to sign off on that paperwork and that he was going to work with, you know, the uh, intelligence director. So anyhow, uh, this guy is known for serving revenge up cold. In fact, it's one of his sayings uh, because he was the official narrative for George W. Bush on CNN during the Iraq war. And here he is. My son is his enlisted aide out of every Marine in the world. And then he ends up working in the State Department under the communist Madeleine Albright. But what uh, a tangled web the enemy weaves because it took the love in the heart of a mother, a gold star mother, and years of research to go through that gnarly nest. And then all the things I learned and whistle blew and uh, the podcasts I was on and the people that God brought into my life, like your story, Richard, we don't know how to be. I don't know how to. You don't sign up for this information. You don't go looking for it. You don't ask. Like there are times the Lord told me one day to, to research human trafficking in our city in Tampa Bay and 30 minutes into it. I walked out, called our staff together, and I said, let me tell you what I've uncovered. And I was sick to my stomach. I actually felt sick for two days. And I'm like, God, I don't want to see this. This is not what I don't want to spend my time thinking about this or looking at this. Why did you tell me to do this? But but the Lord is wanting to open people's eyes, wanting us to see what's really going on so we can pray effectively, so that we can um, wage a spiritual warfare, I believe. But yeah, keep keep going. Well, and, and Richard, you know, I have three children. My son was my only son. He was the oldest, and I have two daughters and grandchildren. And I said, Lord, I don't even know how to be a mother without my son. Mm. What, what, you put me out here. What am I supposed to see? Mm. And the Lord said, it's not only about your son, Aaron. It's about all my sons. Yeah. Men in the military started coming to me with their stories. They heard about me mm. on, on radio back then because podcasts wow. weren't the big thing then. As of three years ago, podcasts blew up. But I started on the radio on the Doug Hagman show, the Hagman and Hagman, who's also a Christian, mm. uh, a man of God, a believer. And not just that, but what led me into it more is when I prayed And I held on to my son's Bible and I asked the Lord, Jesus, please, Father God, show me. Do you want me? I can't walk away because I'm a woman of God. I have discernment. The Lord talks to me. Uh, The Lord knew us before we were born. He created us in our abilities before we knew our strengths. The Lord knew. We had to step into. So I was tragically credentialed into my role is not just... Not just, and I don't mean to say just a gold star mother, because gold star mothers and fathers and gold star family members, we have the biggest losses in this uh, fight of of good versus evil. Uh, Our children have been sacrificed, and Mm -hmm. the husbands and wives out there who lost their spouses and partners through the injustice of war, the very people that are trafficking Drugs and humans in arms are at the top level. 
But the Lord showed me as I prayed and whispered in my ear and told me to randomly open my Bible and read where my right index lie. Read that verse. And answer to my question is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Knowing what I've seen, and that's not even, that was just the beginning Mm. of the initiation process. And so when I opened my Bible, it took me to Ezra 10.4, which is a twofold message. 10.4 is message received if you're in the military or a police Mm -hmm. um, or first responder. And I read it and it said, arise and know this mission belongeth to thee. We will be with thee. Go of good courage. And I jumped up off my knees and I cried. And I said, our God is a loving God, is a real God. Amen. Amen. I called all the families up and I said, look what happened. Well, none of them were believers like And I, what a coincidence. Yeah. And I stood in my power in my living room and I said, okay, Lord, my ears and eyes will be my sword and my mouth will be my sword as I speak truth. And, you know, my pen became my sword. Okay. So I started uh, doing lots of uh, radio shows and writing. And then the Lord told me, uh, showed me all these bad things uh, almost 14 years ago, the September 8th, um, all about the people at the top of the military and political arenas, corporations, you name it. I, I said, Lord, this cross is so heavy to bear, but I'll do it because, you know, I know that this is the Lord trusted me to do this. And yeah. even though I didn't want to know this information, I didn't look at holidays the same or going to events the same or life the same. Not mm. only that, Richard, but my home had been broken into. Uh, let me tell you, before my son was killed on the battlefield, which I know in my heart and soul who did it, it was a hit. And I know why they did it. And, um, but during the time he still worked at Central Command, I had been followed. And shortly when he left, my house broken into. And the day before my son died, that, that night, it was over the Labor Day weekend in September. The day before I received news, my son died. My home was broken into, but I was actually moving out of it. But you couldn't even tell because I had left the big furniture there for the next person and moved all the little stuff in my vehicle that weekend in the garage where nobody could see me unpacking or packing things. And my son had called me, you know, to check on me. And when I got back the second time from taking things to storage, I used a garage clicker and, uh, and I always locked the door, the door going from the garage into the lanai of the home. Uh, it was a jar and I left the vehicle in the driveway, walked up to the door apprehensively. And I could see somebody used a crowbar to get in. So they must have had a universal clicker for the garage, used the crowbar. They were looking for something, possibly mm-hmm. the computer that my son had when he worked at CentCom. 
which I didn't have. I, it was put somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, and I had been shot at the year before uh, driving my vehicle to work through Tampa. My uh, window was blown out in my car on the way to work on my on my birthday. <laughs> my birthday came in with a bang that day. Wow. I remember sitting on the couch one night after work, after my shower, and because I, I got up at 5 in the morning, and then by the time I got home at 6, 6.30 at night, uh, you know, I'd take a shower, put my sweatpants on or relaxing clothes and just want to relax for a while because I put in a long day in sales and marketing for doctors. And I'm on the couch and about 10 minutes later, I see a red spot on my wall, a site. Now I'm former military, so I know what that is. I clicked the TV off, got on the floor like Rambo. And picked up my purse and my keys and my cell phone, which I kept near me all the time, and jetted out to my vehicle. And I started keeping a to-go bag from that day on. And that's the very same place that was broken into about a year later. And, uh, yeah, I, I, there's... I've been followed by the Department of State, the DOD. So uh, I want to I want to get back to your story, yeah. like the progression. Your son gets transferred out of there because of what he's seen. He's and 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 he tells you very little of that because he's yeah. he has to keep all that secret. But but he's making you aware that stuff's going on that yeah. and 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 he's asking your counsel because he's like, where do I go? Uh, t- with the information that I have and the stuff that, that I am experiencing. So he brings you in a little bit. And then what happens from there? Well, he actually also told me, Mama, see this glass of water? If I put this here and I move it over here, it's for a reason. Well, later on, about a year later, I, I knew he was talking about um, a computer that he used when he worked with this one particular brigadier general which I took that and I put it in a safekeeping, even had other people holding on to it because I was being followed and watched for 10 years of my life, Richard, 10 years of my life. So you did know where that computer was. You did have it, but you kept it in hiding. Yes. Okay. And so, um, then I moved out of that place and, uh, you know, and I had all these incidences happening to me. And it was a friend of my son that lived next door. He also was attacked. And uh, he had called me after I got out of the hospital. He had been on his motorcycle. And um, before I, let me backtrack. Before my son left uh, CENTCOM and and went over to Japan, because every three years, the military sends you somewhere else. He talked to this friend of his, Brian, who lived in the townhouse right next to me, separated by a little bush and a little little mm-hmm. hedge there in the driveway. And uh, Brian had told me, if you ever need anything uh, and you don't want to go outside, just pound on the wall and I'll come over. And I said, okay, well, Brian would stay up and work in his garage till five in the morning. And that's the time I would get up. So you can even get to Brian without, get to me without going through Brian because he would Mm. see, you know, everything. Well, the one day Brian had gone up the street on his Harley, had a bite to eat 
and he come back home about an hour later and on his way down the street, a car came out of nowhere, put the brakes on, Brian went flying up in the air, almost died, ended up being mercy flighted into Tampa General Hospital, was there a full week. Uh, and, and it's just so amazing how God works because that day me driving home from work about six at night, I'm driving down Hillsboro and I got this sick feeling in my stomach not to go home. I had a, a family member that lived in the area at the time. They moved a year later and I called them and said, could I come and stay? And they said, absolutely, because this is just a couple days after I was shot at on the way mm. to work, my vehicle was shot. Uh, and so Brian had fixed the glass. His father owned a big company that took care of things. He took care of me. And oh, by the way, the doctor I worked for, her daughter took pictures of my vehicle in the window, put the camera under the her front seat of her vehicle, and a day or two later, someone broke into it at her home and took the camera. Hmm. <laughs> so anyhow, Brian called me when he got home from the hospital a week later. Here I'm staying at a family member's home. And uh, Brian said, I need you to come home. I need to talk to you. It's about your son. I said, okay. So I, I went home. He said, listen, you know, you don't need to worry. We're safe. I'm here, but I have every reason to believe all these incidences that have occurred with you are tied in with somebody high up uh, in the military and your son having the high security clearance that he had probably knew a lot and they're trying to scare you or hurt you. And he said, this is what happened to me. And he told me a story how a car came out of nowhere, put the brakes on, and he ended up at Tampa General for a week. And he said, I believe they wanted to keep me away from you so that they could have access to your home or to get to you. And he said, but I'm here now, so don't worry. But uh, So that was one of the incidences. But I had mm. cybercrime people, the DOD following me relentlessly, I even had Blackhawk helicopters, believe it or not. I have doctor friends that can attest to this. I never traveled alone, only coming and going to work. I always traveled with an eyewitness. And before I would enter my home, I had somebody on the phone, a friend or a family member talking to me so I could surveillance my home. I lived this way for 10 years of my life. The last two years of the Bush administration and eight years of the Obama administration. And about three times I would go to live on my own and incidences would happen. I'd have to pack everything up and move in with a friend. I've exacerbated all my life savings just trying to stay alive mm. for 10 of those years. Um and it interfered with my um, ability to make money and to work. Um, and I'm a strong woman and it takes a lot to, to bring me down because when I'm challenged by a force that's unseen, basically, 
um, it leaves you looking for answers. And so I would research like 18 hours a day. Mm. That's what I would do. And whistleblow. So what happened next with your son? Your son goes to Japan. He goes over to Japan every three years. The Marines get sent somewhere else. He's at third Marine assault division. And it was a lower, uh, it wasn't as high profile of a job and he was glad for that because, you know, he was front center with that brigadier general and the other job he had is intelligence, uh, working with the director. So he goes over there, he's there about two years. And in 2009, my son said, mama, they're going to send me over to Afghanistan and I know you don't want to hear that, but I have to go. So I want to come home on vacation in July. We'll make a road trip and, and go back to our visit our family up north. And um, and then I have to fly back to uh, back to um, Japan and then to Afghanistan. And I said, okay, son. So he kind of laid the ground rules down and told me and tried to prepare me, you know, if it happens, mama, and the Lord calls me home, I need you to be strong. I need you to be strong and, uh, and live your life and, and help other people and do because you signed on that dotted line too, like me. And we have to do God's work. And, um, so I made that promise and he promised, be strong, mama, don't cry because you're going to make me cry. Mm. And now, uh, and you have two other children and you have grandchildren and you have to be there for them. And uh, so we, you know, we had our little time with our family in July, the 4th of July weekend, the third week of July, he flies over to Afghanistan he was there around the 21st or the 22nd of July, and he ended up being killed on the battlefield on September 8th, 2009, just a couple months later. Mm. Um, and they were, the Marines were <clears throat> denied air and artillery support, and they were laughed at on the battlefield calling for, for help, for air and artillery support. I saw the, the 60 minute. Um, video about that. And it was, it was hard to watch. It was unbelievable because it was like there were, there were choppers that knew what was going on yes. that turned to go to the rescue and were called off. Yes. And they were pinned down for yeah. a, a very long time. It Was it six hours later that they were actually the, the guy that one of the guys that got the, the medal went in and extracted their bodies? Yes. Well, my son lasted two hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounded like an hour and 45 minutes. They were begging for help. Yes. And, and at the pilots, the pilots told me they heard everything. They oh. heard it all. They said we could have, they couldn't sleep. This took years off their life. Oh now, my Lord. It happened in September 8th, 2009. I met the pilots in October of 2013. And because I'm the one that helped Captain Swenson receive his Medal of Honor. That's another story. We'll get into that in a minute. Now, did, did, your, did your son, um, 
he communicated with you that he had some sense that something might go down. Am I right? Well, he just he had a a, a feeling, but I hit, I didn't talk to him. Um, well, I talked to him the day before twice. And he said, I wanted to call you and my dad and my sisters to tell you I love you and to pray for us. Now, this is, I want to get this point. This is important. So the day before on September the 7th, uh, they were at their four-man camp because the Marines break off in groups of four and they were at Camp Monte. And it, and it was uh, Dakota Meyer, Captain's uh Dakota Meyer, my son, um, there was the uh, Doc Layton, uh, and then there was um, Lieutenant Johnson. That was the four-man team. So what ended up happening was their little Camp Monty was attacked the day before the, the incident, the tragedy, and explosives were dropped. My son was in the little hooch talking and extracting information from the Afghans because he was in charge of all that paperwork and intel. Well, when you do intel, you don't, you hide behind another job when you have intel. So for, you know, he was admin for all intents and purposes, but he was intel. And he was also part of uh, a top secret mission within that mission. And that was in the report as well as communicated to me by two other military sources, which I already knew anyway. Um, so they, I think that my son was the target and the other guys were uh, the collateral damage. Mm -hmm. Well, it ended up happening. Dakota saw the attack coming on, alerted everybody told Doc Layton to get in the hooch with my son to check on him that he shouldn't be left alone. When your Marines do not, there's always two together when you're with the Afghans because you don't know who's going to turn to the Taliban. So you have to watch out for each other. And uh, one of the explosives were dropped. It blew up one of the Afghans inside the hooch, the tent. Mm. And, 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 Dakota Meyer thought that my son was killed and Doc Layton. And a few minutes later, they came out and, um, you know, they were all praying. They took a break. The four of the Marines took a break. Mm. They had a cigar. You know, they were praying. They were praying. And shortly thereafter, isn't it something, they get a call from headquarters. Makes me wonder, you know, well, mm -hmm. what was the order of that phone call to see if they were alive first? Because, you know, not not knowing then, but knowing now how all these people work and meeting them all, you know, I could tell you, and I'm a woman, I'm a godly woman of discernment. You would pick up on it too. So um, anyhow, they all, you know, this phone call said, we're going into the Ganjgal Valley tomorrow. Be here at 2.30 or 3.30 in the morning. Uh, and uh, we'll, you know, talk to you then. We're going to go in. So Dakota Meyer, the first Medal of Honor, not at that time, but later on, he became that Medal of Honor, asked one of the interpreters, 
what is this Ganjgal Valley? And he said the Russians were at war for 10 years. Um, you know, they, they couldn't beat the Taliban. It's a highly trafficked area. It's right on the Pakistan border. Doesn't that make you wonder why our headquarters was so close? Mm. That Knowing that, I mean, unless you're doing business with these people, why would you put your headquarters so close? Mm. So uh, my son was the driver that day and they go in. Uh, but before they went in, one of the officers went to turn in a roster with all the names that were going to be there, their blood type, social security number, their jobs. I have a copy of that, by the way. I have a copy of that roster. Mm. And um, at that time, this officer saw that there was intelligence information coming over the computers that was not relayed to the Marine team. Taliban forces moving in, in the ridge, different wow. groups of Taliban. Okay. So here we have what we know today is domestic terrorists working side by side with foreign terrorists. And, uh, so here's my son and his men. They were not allowed to drive in to the valley. They had to park their vehicles and walk. My son was the first man in. And then the medic was there. And usually the medic is at the end of formation. And then the other two, Dakota Meyer. Well, they swapped Dakota Meyer out, made him stay by the vehicles to keep watch. Um, he was a sniper. My son told him, you listen for the comms on the radio. And when you, you know, get my grids, you come in after us. Well, as soon as my son and his men walked into that valley of death, the Ganjga Valley, uh, lights started blinking. Uh, people were walking out at the other end of the village with their animals as my son and his Marine team were walking in. Shots were being fired. Uh, let me tell you, this is America. The United States of America, we're supposed to be the most sophisticated and well-equipped military in the world. But that day, how is it that that day the enemy outarmed us and outmanned us. By far. By yeah. far. I watched the, and, and it was, and, and, and they had a, a military investigator who like everything you're saying, it was in that investigation. He's on 60 minutes telling like how horrific the whole thing was. Several people lost their, their positions in the military and I'm sure they were low level casualties. And well, it, it doesn't even sound like it sounds like that. They got letters of reprimand and no, suppose well, that's another story. Well, yeah, well, I'm jumping to that yet. Yeah. That's so, a whole through my oh research, uncovered. Okay. Yeah. Now, so getting back to my son, I don't mean to cut you off, but this no, is no. a complex ambush. Uh, and so all this firefight. So there's my son, uh, Lieutenant Johnson, two lieutenant, one's a Lieutenant Johnson, one Sergeant Johnson, and Doc Layton. So that's miraculous that they lasted two hours. I know it that's that's it hard to fathom. Yeah. What what when when you're hearing that like how good they were at what they did, and I think 
you've experienced supernatural protection. Yeah. It seems like it seems like this exposed something, mm-hmm. and that they must have. I, I, it's sad that they are gone now, but to last two hours in what was described yes. is like it doesn't seem real. And yet they did. They kept calling again and again and again for support and got nothing except Dakota Myers. Exactly. And uh, Will Swenson. So what ended up happening, here's my son and his men calling in. And, and, you know, and I, I, when I went in the service, let me just digress for a moment and tell you when I went into the service and you take these tests and they can tell what you're going to excel in. They said, Susan, you would make a great detective or a cop. You, would, <laughs> you have the gut instinct. You can connect the dots. I, I tested really high. And they said, you can like describe a crime scene. This is one of my innate abilities the Lord provided to me at birth. And I've always been inquisitive. And if there's something bad, I can like see right through that veil. And, and, and I could just like with people too, you know, so I used all that and my love of being a mother, because that's my, you know, we have to take that, not weaponize it, but for lack of better word or versing, uh, that became my sword. You know, I can't go cutting people's heads off, but I can use my gift to find truth. And that's exactly what happened. So I, I saw, too, the order of how the men fell. And my son was the last to go down. And they took the officer and then the medic and then the other sergeant and then my son in that order. And to, so they were denied air and artillery support and very little smoke for coverage. Very little. Mm-hmm. And during the whole time, the two hours of fighting where my son and his men were moving behind a wall of an old building. Um, Oh, I I forgot something important. Let me go back for a second. The day that my son was attacked the day before on the 7th of September, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a member of the State Department that was sent in to meet with the village elders. Isn't that a coincidence? And if that's not a strong enough coincidence after they tried to take my son and his little three-man team down and and killed them the day before the ambush, someone also broke, that's the day that my house was broken into. Mm. So it's like they're trying to clean loose ends up, but they're having a hard time because life is stranger than fiction. So uh, then... That day before they sent, and this is in the investigation report too, Mm -hmm. okay? So it's in there that someone from the State Department moseyed in to have a conversation with the village elders to find out how much taxpayer dollars that they needed or wanted to rebuild their mosques and their sewer systems. This is true. This is in writing. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, there's more. And so is it a coincidence that the general, Brigadier General, my son worked for the year before, ended up working in the State Department just a year before? And when this incident went down, it was under the Hillary Clinton administration. 
remember she was also, she was ahead of the state department when my son was killed and mm. here they're following me around a mother. I mean, but yet my son was part of a top secret mission within the mission. I have no idea what that mission was, but you know, it was probably to find out information on, I would assume knowing what I know now, we know that some of the, um, the military industrial complex organizations were working with the Taliban, Al Qaeda and, and ISIS to in information on communications, they knew everything before it happened. So the enemy was being fed by the domestic terrorists, everything that was going on. So anyhow, here's my son and his men fighting for their lives for almost two hours. They ended up being pushed into the Horseshoe Valley of the Ganjgal Valley, where it's the border of trafficking right there on the edge of Pakistan. And here's the pilots. They were there the whole time listening to every word. And they wanted to go and just descend. It would have took them five minutes to send, pick them up. There were two choppers ready to roll. And they were denied. And my son and his men believed that they would get out of there because my son had been on many missions before with SEAL teams and rangers in Africa. and the But there were Marine forces, not army forces. There were marine pilots at the time that would come within 10 minutes. And my son kept trying to reassure his men, they're coming, they're coming in 10 minutes. But that was denied. They were denied air and artillery support. And in the investigation report, it said that they tried to rewrite the narrative and say there was no organic air um, supply, which is that's just totally unethical right there. They were denied because they were being set up. They were scapegoated out. And by the way, this operation was called Dancing Goat too, And we know that a goat is a sacrifice. When, so, when you say the operation was called, they're, they're being sent in and they, they actually had a name for that one episode. Yeah. And it's called Dancing, Dancing Goat. Oh, too. I, I saw that. It was, yeah, through all my research. Yes. So anyhow, here, you know, let's get back to the battlefield fight uh, yeah. before my son was denied air support. Uh, so before they were pushed into that valley of uh, the Horseshoe Valley, the end of it, um, they were calling for air and artillery support and they were laughed at by some of the top officers in the air conditioned tactical operation command. Now there was no readiness force that came to assist them, just like Benghazi. There was nobody, nobody there. And they were laughed at, they were asked, who's on your roster? Are you kidding me? When you're in battle rattle and it's 125 degrees in your uniform, and you're fighting, but yeah, you have guys sitting behind a desk in an air-conditioned room laughing. Oh, yeah, and somebody went in there, by the way, and turned down the frequency on the radio so you couldn't hear my son and his men calling for help after a while. 
they were annoyed because here's my son and, and his men, um, you know, asking for air and artillery support and being mm. denied and laughed at and told you'll have to figure it out yourself. Listen, this is all in the eyewitness accounts within my 500 redacted page of uh, the 15-6. I couldn't make this stuff up if I tried. Yeah. This is a horrible, horrible tragedy. Yeah. Yet it was a microcosm of what was going on in the Afghanistan war. Yep. So here's my son. He held on for two hours thinking, oh, we're almost home free. His team, his four-man team and the Afghanistan uh, soldiers that were with them, about 12 of them, who uh, some of them got away free and and made it safe out, but not my son and his men. They were gunned down and uh, they could have got out of there. But somebody from Central Command, another general who I won't name his name, but he's also one of the bad generals, uh, monitoring uh, the war zone, called the help off, denied the air support, and and yelled out, uh, clear the airfield, clear the airfield. And two or three times he said that. And so the pilots that wanted to break the order and go and, and rescue, cleared the airfield. They were haunted for five or six years by the screaming cries and calls mm. for help by my son and his men. Mm. My son was still holding his weapon when he fell to his death. And out of 100 to 150 so-called Taliban that were in the fight, how many times do you think that my Marine son was shot? Take a guess. No idea. Once. Wow. Don't you think that that's a little crazy one time in the right cheekbone that severed his spinal cord? Mm. That, my friend, is called a hit. Yeah. That's a hit. And uh, these so-called Taliban, uh, you know, they're not going to get a, a, a shot like that wearing their robes and their flip-flops during Ramadan. That's a contractor hit. That's what that is. Mm. Everybody in the military knows that. <clears throat> the contract hit. So then we move on to these officers that were in control that day on the base. There were three officers at Camp Joyce. Mysteriously, the, the, the one guy that was supposed to be the head, again, I won't mention their names. People can go and look this stuff up. Um, he supposedly put in for leave months a month in advance. And uh, so supposedly he was on leave, but that's, we don't know what that extent of that lie is. And the, the next guy on the totem pole was supposed to be shipped off to Jalalabad or Asadabad that day. But mysteriously, they never even shipped them off until after the death of my son and his men. That mm -hmm. day. Okay. 
So that puts the third guy in control. Now this guy is a really bad, bad apple. This guy, uh, and I really truly pray for accountability because I don't think this is the first uh, time ever that this guy has done these nefarious acts. But this guy, I tied him into that Brigadier General that my son worked for at CENTCOM. Mm-hmm. I went all the way back to 1992 in Baumholder, Germany, and, and one of the artillery divisions. Those two worked together. And they have a human witness that knew both of them. Is the Lord, only the Lord could provide mm-hmm. a human witness to knowing both of them, to tie them both in at the scene of the crime together. But this Brigadier General was hiding behind this guy, put him in there, and he's the guy that walked in and was in control of Camp Joyce that day. He's the guy that gave the people in the Tactical Operation Command the go-ahead or the nay and turned down the uh, frequencies on the radio, amongst other things. This is the guy that they said that they put a reprimand in his file folder and that that was an ending to a career. He and another guy, another officer that day. That's a lie because in a few months, this particular guy that was in charge was doing stability operations and he was put in charge of stability operations, AKA trafficking operations. He's that guy that you want to do dirty work. And mm-hmm. guess what? He ended up uh, getting out of the uh, army a few years later with his full pension, living in up in Fort Drum, New York, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the blood of how many Marines and other men through the years uh, on his hands. So... It's interesting. One of the reasons why I even see like a connection for us is we're dealing very often with um, they are adults um, many times, some in their 20s, um, some older, but their family were in the military industrial complex. Yeah, exactly. And what they experienced. And we're not talking like for many of them, it was like. Man, they were they were experiencing satanic ritual abuse yes. in their daycare yeah. that wasn't directly associated with a um, you know the military or anything like that. But but it's like when people come in and that's been a part of their life, the percentage of them that were connected at high level military at at NASA at um, high level institutions um, is incredible. And, and what they, what, what, what follows that world is, is a world of darkness. Yes, you're absolutely right. I tied all that in. Uh, One of the other brothers served in the treasury department. This is called the revolving door. The military Mm. political arena is the revolving door. Their father was a lobbyist. The other brother was the head of one of the um, 
big uh, military industrial complex institutions that move the drugs around over in Afghanistan. Uh, wait, 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 pause right there. Cause a lot of people like, it's pretty easy to document all that. A lot of people do know that. And yet, yeah, there's a lot of people that, that have never even heard that you're saying that, that drugs were being moved around in Afghanistan. Uh, that doesn't tie into the U S military and our presidents, does it? <laughs> well, it doesn't tie in with president Trump because he's an outsider and yeah. against all this. He's part of the cleanup crew, but it did take place with uh, the Bushes, the the Clintons, and Obama. And think of it, they all had eight years. That's thirty two years. So yeah. many of many of us thought that that the U.S. military was fighting evil Muslim exactly. um, people and didn't realize that 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 was that was a smokescreen. Yeah, well, um, where where's ISIS now? I mean, where was you know? Yep. I mean, we're not necessarily going to chase that rabbit for long, but that's right. your son was caught in the middle of that because he was he had a front row seat yeah. to the stuff we're talking about and had a conscience and and was man enough to not he, he yeah it's it's interesting because there's such an honor. Uh, you know, like we're not going to talk about these things. We're not going to divulge it. But so he kept this computer. Um, it, was there stuff on that computer that uh, I, I, tried I, to, I, want to know. I tried to open that computer up and a big alarm went off and it scared me. I gave it to a friend of mine um, that is former military, uh, an officer, uh, because I was being followed by the Department of State, FBI, the DOD, the DOD followed me for so many years that I turned my vehicle around one day, chased them, got their license plate, called my cop friends on the phone. They said, Susan, what is the Department of Defense doing following you? <laughs> said, you know, and then they're so obvious. They're sitting on the side of the road across the street from a friend of mine's house. And they're, they're two fresh haircuts. Come on, people. I could smell <laughs> I sniff them out. It's in my blood. And they're sitting on the side of um, a golf course. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, they were getting sloppy after a while. Um, so did you ever find out what was on that computer? Well, I had to turn it in for my protection to this officer because, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I was, my house broken into, I was threatened. And he never got back with you with what was found on it or. No, I think he was protecting me, but he yeah. had it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I had to, because I thought about it for a while. I had certain friends. I didn't want to put anybody else at risk as it was people that I was with that were with me were being followed too. Um, mm. I even had a friend who had lived in her place for 10 years, never dropped a glass or broke glass in her home. One day she finds broken glass in her home and stepped on it. And that's the same person that the DOD was right outside her door, sitting across the street on mm. the golf course. So people, this stuff is real. I mean, you think you're going crazy when you're- Well, a lot, a lot of your like, 
there are there's a, a, there was a section when you were talking. I was like, almost anybody that hears this part is going to think she's paranoid because if, if you don't know the rest of the story, what happened to your son and all that stuff, it, it sounds like someone who's dealing with. I've got black cop helicopters fly on me and da 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 da, and uh, and and yet when when you're dealing with um, that. Um, and, but it sounds to me like God has had his hand of protection over your life Amen. and, yes. and, and he's called you to speak out about these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the things that you said a couple of times, um, I'm trying to remember how you, it was a tragic, um, I've calling tragically credentialed, tragically cre- credentialed. And, and, um, explain that I, I get it, but I'm like, it just flows through there. And I'm like, tell me what you mean by that. Well, I, I told you that I, I prayed to God and I said, father, please show me what am I supposed to do with what I see? What am I seeing? What's really real? I mean, I had experienced things before my son died during his death and after his death. And I knew right away who, who put the hit on him. I knew it. So uh, by being tragically credentialed, what happened to my son is a tragedy. Yeah. And I earned my credentials through the tragedy because I sought to research. I'm a person, even if something happens to me and I see it with my own eyes, I have to prove it and go fact finding. And like what you said a moment ago with the Blackhawks and, and, and these big. Uh, yeah. Department of Defense following you around and yeah, stuff like that. People are like, nah. who has that ability, but an insider. Yeah. That less than 1% of the elite that think they're elite, but they're not. Uh, they don't believe in God. They're satanic and they're the traffickers. They're working, they're the evil entities that have worked with the Chinese, the communist Chinese, because there's the People's Republic and then there's the communist Chinese. They're the ones that they've been, they and their spouses and, and other military people sold our country out. Now, I didn't know it then, but it took all these years and the Lord revealed it to me. It even showed me in Ezra 10, 4. Arise and know this mission belongs to thee. We will be with thee. Go of good courage. And so I did because I'm a woman of God. I'm a believer. The Lord protected me. I saw this family, but then I met other military people that were set up by the cronies of the people that did this to my son. President Trump relieved some of those people from uh, prison that were serving time. And I met them and I was a part of helping to get them out and and writing their story and getting it out on America out loud. I'm a messenger. The Lord's given me that gift to see and to be a messenger. So um, I, I wanna, there's other one other part of the story that I definitely want our readers to hear a little bit about. You said that you helped Dakota Myers get the Medal of Honor. Oh, not Dakota Myers. Not the first. He was the first Medal of Honor. It was Captain okay. Will Swenson. Okay. Uh, what happened with Captain Will Swenson 
was uh, twice his uh, merit citations were placed upon Obama's desk. And twice Obama signed off on them and they disappeared not once, but twice off of number 44's desk. That never happened ever before. Someone wanted to keep this uh, story from getting out there. So if it weren't for Congressman Duncan Hunter, who they ran through the mill uh, years ago, he was, he's a former Marine. Well, there's no former Marines, but he once served in the Marine Corps before he got into politics. He was fighting for justice for Army Captain Swenson because he, and he was told he couldn't have all this information for five to seven years. There's a time period where he couldn't have his hands on this investigation report. So I happened to call him because I followed every day. I wanted to see what was going on. And um, and I had reporters in my face for the first four years after my son's death. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna call, uh, I'm gonna call Congressman Duncan Hunter down in California. And his aide got him on the phone, very nice, very cordial. Ma'am, what can I do for you? I said, sir, how can I help you? And what do you need to uh, get, acquire Captain Will Swenson's Medal of Honor? And he said, well, you know, I need the, um, the 15-6 this investigation report. I said, is that all you need? I have it. I will give you a copy of it, plus extra paperwork, and I'll overnight it. Please call me the next day to let me know you received it. And so I furnished him with that material. Didn't tell a soul, kept it to myself. 13 months later, we uh, there was Captain Will Swenson's Medal of Honor ceremony, October 2013. Our families were invited. Uh, <laughs> For a three-day weekend, they honored us at the White House. It was all over the television. Um, and I sent you one of the videos. Yeah. Uh, and then... The um, Dakota Myers part of that story was, was like, incredible. Like, how many times he drove in yes. and, and pulled at first Taliban fighters, because they were closer, out, Um over many hours of time kept going in again and again under heavy fire and, and never hit like <laughs> it was one of those. God. The hands of God was on both. Oh of my them. gosh. Yeah. And see, see the bad guys overestimated themselves. And they weren't even supposed to go in. They were, they were supposed to hold back. And he just was like, yeah. I'm right here. I've got a vehicle with a heavy gun on it, I'm going in. And he goes, I knew I was going to die. Like it wasn't a, a question of if he goes, I knew, but I couldn't, I couldn't not go in until everyone was out or I was dead. And yeah, I'm like, that's Oh my gosh. That's yeah. That's the, that's the normal military. That's why there's, she's saying that they can't sleep at nights. Yeah. That's Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet at the same time to go like just over and over again, I don't remember how many trips he made, but it was for hours and this whole six hours. It sounds like, because he, he was there 
he and um, the other one that you were mentioning were, were there to, to yeah. pull their bodies out. Yes. And, um, and you can see it on, um, on Will Swenson's video that I sent you because uh, you can see them pulling the bodies out. I yeah. can see my son because my son had was six foot three and was yeah. 13. He stood out in every picture. You could tell who he was in every military picture because he was just, uh, yeah, head and shoulders usually above him. Other guys. Aaron, Aaron had that uh, charismatic personality like John F. Kennedy Jr. He had that charisma, the good looks, the yep. the not macho bravado. There was nothing macho about my son. Just that very loving, warm. That's amazing. The pictures look like that's a military guy. That's a GI Joe kind of guy. They they have that kind of look. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and so. It took many years that I could be able to tell this story without choking up, but yeah. the Lord has protected me all these years and, um, and it's may he continue to protect Amen. you Thank and you. may that word get out more and more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what, what can listeners do? People who are listening to this are like, Hey, what can, what's a good resource where we can be involved and, um, and, and help. Well, um, I, I am going to be out here this whole time. I'm doing my podcast on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. And if you go to Rumble and put PPN and then Quantum Warrior, I do two shows a week, Geopolitical on Monday. And on Wednesday, I do my Wellness Wednesday, uh, Mind, Body, and Spirit, which you were a part of yesterday because healing is at all levels mm -hmm. and they can um, support me in my shows. Uh, you could uh, support our veterans. I have a friend, Peggy Baker, who works for, uh, she's the head of Operation First Response and over 14 years has helped 28,000 veterans. Wow. The, paying their bills and they could use support. If anybody wants to contribute to them, that operation first response. And, um, and my son lives on through that right now. Um, I want to put some of the links to some of the things you sent me on, on, uh, below, um, this, we'll put it in the description yeah, in the, the description. Podcast. Um, want people to see your son, see that story and the, and the 60 minute, um, if they want to see more, um, and, and the interesting thing about your show is I just was on it and I tried to post that on my Facebook page and it won't accept the link at all from rumble. And I'm like, is that across the board? Rumble is a no, no for, for Facebook. I don't, I don't know, but I posted it. I, I at first I thought I must've made a mistake user error. Uh, I'll take credit for that. So I, I edited the post and I dropped the link in. And then I told someone, okay, the link's there. And I went back and it wasn't there. And I thought, okay, maybe I did something wrong. I did it four times and that link never would show up. Now it showed up in the comments, but it wouldn't show up in the, um, on, on the post. And I was like, wow. So I, I, I'd love our people to be able to see that interview on your show. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, but yeah. I really have to see what we can do. I don't, you know, I don't have anything to do with the techie part. And yeah. you know, they, you know, the war is still raging on good versus yeah. evil. So 
we are God's messengers and, um, you know, it's. Greater is he that is in us. Yes. I mean, like you said, Richard, we didn't know when we first started the journey, Lord, how do I do this? I'm just a mother. You're a father. You're a man. You're trying to help someone. We have compassion for our fellow uh, humans here and, and to see what evil has done. And it's just egregious. And, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. I do what I can. And, and, and I'm called the go-to mother, gold star mother, because, you know, my day will start out while working on my stuff and I get pulled over to do other things. Yeah. Or to write an article about something, which I've done for years, <laughs> but the Lord has used me. I've actually stopped the couple false flags uh, in this time frame. I've had people that would listen to podcasts that I've done with other patriot groups, and they would say, Susan, you know, this one, let me get into this real quick. Uh, one of the uh, fathers out there, he, he and his wife, he was worried about his sister-in-law. She was in the military. And they would take care of her animal and his wife would clean his sister's house while she was gone. And she found these notes that there was something going on right after the Boston bombing. There were these notes that she was to report to Atlanta for a briefing on the Boy Scout Jamboree that was going to take place that July uh, that year, I believe 2013. And um, so I said, well, what kind of, uh, you know, he wanted me to research. I said, what kind of evidence do you have? And he only gave me like five clues. So I used them and I actually, the Lord showed me, they were uh, moving the Boy Scout Jamboree, which is like an Olympics every four years, out of Virginia on a secured base to West Virginia, one of the poorest states in the nation, and putting it by a, an elitist corporation, the Bechtel Group, <laughs> yeah, a satanic group. Mm. And uh, here's the governor of West Virginia spending millions of dollars to build new roads around this billion-dollar corporation, which the Boy Scout Jamboree was going to be housed on the property, one way in, one way out, no air support, we started reading about earthquakes taking place. Well, what they were going to do in essence, and they saw the UN was involved. What's the UN doing? Being involved with the Boy Scout Jamboree and all these other entities. And God sent in two people to help me. And I said, look, it, uh, I can't come to your event that you're inviting me to because there's a crime getting ready to take place. And they said, how do you know that? And I said, well, here's the evidence. And it looks like they're trying to set up where they can uh, put a chemical or um, some sort of a virus and send our Boy Scouts home to infect their communities. And so they did a video up on it. Uh, and at the time, who was the only person getting this stuff out there was, um, oh, what's his name? That one guy, um, I can't think of his name right now. We got it out to him and we drew a lot of light on it and we had eyes on it and the living link and we stopped anything bad 
from happening. But we believe in our heart and soul that they were going to assault our Boy Scouts and send them home with the virus. Mm. Yeah. And um, Minister, there are a lot of people that while they were in Boy Scouts, stuff happened to them. And um, yeah, it's not even something we're looking for, but it, but it's for many of them, it was their first time being sexually assaulted. Um, and, uh, and, and it was in a boy scout troop, yeah, ga- like a camp, uh, you know, experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I you know, I, I know that there's some great people involved in that, um, that, that, um, I, I, I want to believe have not been involved in anything like that, but when you hear something over and over again, um, and then, and then it's been exposed some of the pedophilia that was rampant in there. Right. You know, I'm like going, God, protect our kids. And and what we grew up thinking, it's the safest place for your kids to be. Right. You know, God. Richard, I got to tell you, I just saw Alex Jones. Remember Alex Jones uh-huh. was out there getting truth or news out at the time. Regardless what anybody thinks of him, he did a massive job at it. And one of the two men was Doug Hagman and another gentleman. The other gentleman was a scout leader. And he goes, what did you find, Susan? I'm a scout leader. I'm taking my sons there. Uh, and I said, well, this is what's going on. Like, I didn't go looking. The Lord yeah. people in my path to work with me with everything. Another thing where uh, we, we found um, that person I told you about that my son worked with at CENTCOM was involved with the um, a European group, and it had a name, which I won't say, and I would research every single day, and I saw activity going on. Well, I blew it into Judge Janine on Fox News, and before you know it, there was a big barge of weapons that was confiscated on its way to Egypt. Wow. I mean, these are things, listen, yeah. I'm just a mother, and the, yeah. see how the Lord used me? Yeah. I, I, and, you know, and like my son, this is my job. I do it. I signed the contract when I was in the military. I'm out of uniform for many years, but I'm still a watchman. I'm still a watchwoman. Yeah. Doing my job. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was thinking, but no, I want to hear what you. I was going to see if you wanted to pray over everyone. That's what I was thinking oh, too. Okay, so, perfect. so brilliant minds think alike. Could you pray over our listeners anything else you want to yeah add all right well i thank you for the opportunity of telling my story and um and your listeners for listening mm. to it and uh we just have to support one another mm. amen that's that's what we have to do be vigilant amen. yeah amen close us out in prayer if you would I was hoping you would pray over me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it both ways. I'll, I'll, I'll dial and you can hang up. So Lord, I thank you for Susan Lord and just supernatural protection over her and over her son and the rest of her family and even friends, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray that that, that protection would, would uh, continue and increase And God. I pray for, more and more light to come to, for, for the darkness to be exposed, 
um, routed and defeated. I pray, Father God, for um, Lord, the death of her son to not be in vain, but that there would be, uh, um, Lord, repercussions. I, I thank you, Lord, that that you even have mercy on perpetrators, God, in the sense that that you're going to shine the light and give them a chance to respond. And I pray, God, for that. I pray for repentance, Lord. I pray for their eyes to 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 see the light. I pray, Lord, for conviction um, to 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 pursue them, Lord, till there's either repentance or Father God, that there's conviction and, and, and meaning, Lord, their crimes are exposed and, and they face the consequences. But Father God, I also pray for those that have been silent, Lord, that are going to hear this, Lord, people that have a military background and they, Lord, have kept quiet and have seen things and known things and, Lord, are are just as guilty because of their silence. And I pray, God, for many more to have the kind of courage to speak out, Lord, to do something about the darkness that they have been privy to. Um, and Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray for revival in our military. I pray for revival in our nation, Lord, it, through our government, Lord, um, through the court system, and Lord, that, that, that many would turn to you, repent, be willing to face consequences for bringing things into the light. And God, that there would just be a great awakening in our nation. Um, I pray for Susan, Lord, that you'd continue to give her courage and strength and minister to the wounds in her heart, Lord, that the very nation that she pledged to serve and, and her son pledged to serve has um, done such horrible things um, that have impacted her so deeply personally. I pray, God, for her heart, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that I just don't sense the bitterness and resentment, but I see courage and faith and a love of God. And I pray, Lord, that that, that you'd empower that, that you'd help others, Lord, that, that are just eaten with bitterness and resentment and, and rage, God, to um, find that same peace and comfort in you and courage um, to wage a good warfare. Amen. And I wanted to add, I pray, Father God, for the Gold Star families, generational, yes. generational, as yes. I too am a generational Gold Star family member. And I pray for our veterans out yes, there Lord. because they're hurting uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, that they seek refuge in your name, Lord Jesus, and touch their hearts and souls and minds, and that the great healing takes place over our yes, nation, Lord. and not just our nation, over our world, that others hear what my, I am a witness to, that you have called me to witness to and speak to. And I stand in that courage and I am honored that the Lord used me as mm -hmm. a messenger to get this message uh, through my being tragically credentialed. I have uh, found my place and, and although I don't know where I'm going, I know where I've come from. I'm a mother. I am blessed with being a mother. And mm -hmm. I pray for all the mothers out there whose arms and hearts are empty 
because of these evil forces that I know, and I praise Father God in Jesus' name for healing that I know is going to take place and for the gifts that the Lord has blessed me with. And I thank you, uh, Richard, and your son and your ministry for doing the work you do because we're all connected through that web and together we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to hold those people accountable in some measure. We won't judge them. The Lord will. But Amen. we're working as a force and a family. We're a soul family. So I praise mm -hmm. your name, Father God, and, and just so grateful for the opportunities and the people you bring into my life on a daily basis. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us. If you anyone listening enjoyed this podcast, please share it if you feel like this is a message that should get out there. If you want to follow her again, go to Rumble, search PPN, which stands for Party Patriot Patriot Party, Party Network. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you are Quantum Warrior. And so look her up, subscribe to her podcast. As always, we're we're very blessed that you joined us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, listeners.